Welcome to the More Than More podcast, where we discuss building meaningful, impactful businesses, careers, and lives through real estate. Good morning, Dylan here. I'm with two of our market update guests. Tammy Hicks. Tammy Hicks. Yeah, and Raj. And so Mr. Clarkson is not joining us today. I'm real interested to see what this conversation lacks without Kyle here. <laughs> well, I would say style. No one in here is wearing a three-piece suit today. Yeah, but you can't see that on the podcast. So I, I'm wondering what his voice brings. Okay, well, hopefully it sucks because we'd like Kyle to think That's that he right. brings a bunch. Yeah, That's right. We miss you, Kyle. It is October. It is the 11th of October. It is gloomy, and I believe it's the last day outside of warmth before fall really starts to kick in. Last day of flip-flops. It's coming up on my birthday. It is. Does that mean it's coming up on your husband's birthday? It is, yeah. <laughs> you want you want to know a weird fact? Does everybody want to know a weird yeah, fact? Yeah, will you tell them the weird fact? Sure. Roger and my husband have the same birthday, and Lisa, Roger's wife, and me have the same birthday. That is bizarre. Exactly. Yeah. Five years. Five years or ten years? How old are you? <laughs> Probably more like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly the same number of years, different. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the statistical, the statistics of that is like one in 3.2 million or something. I'm concerned that you know that. but <laughs> My <clears throat> husband figured that out. <laughs> but it does explain why you're sitting in the room today talking about the market data. So should we jump in? Because it is, yes. uh, it's a new day. Let me ask you guys this question. Um, what do you think's changed in a month? We were here a month ago. So anything changed? Yes. Other than the fact that Kyle's the Fed, not here. The Fed came out again with another announcement. The The interest rate market acted really weird this time uh, with some crazy jump for about a week, and now they've leveled off. And uh, inventories, uh, my concept of new construction versus resale, that that uh, battle is increasing. You're seeing more of a divide or a bifurcated market between new construction and resale. Absolutely. Um, and yes, we had a already slated uh, 75 basis point increase in, in Fed funds, right? And But yeah, it, we saw a pretty big reaction to that, right? Yeah, overreaction. Uh, I, yeah, well... I, w I would agree that that was probably an overreaction. Well, it was nothing that wasn't anticipated. I think that maybe the reaction, at least as best as I can understand, wasn't to the 75 basis point increase, but the commentary around it that suggested that inflation from the Fed's perspective is even more aggressive and stubborn and sticky than what they thought. So I think the reaction wasn't about the 75 basis points. It was, oh no, maybe it's not 75 plus another 50 plus another 25, which is what's currently scheduled through December. Maybe it's going to be even more. And uh, my, my statement is just regarding their, I guess it was about a 48-hour jump. The, the prior two Fed announcements the mortgage rates had adjusted prior to the announcement in this case i was telling everybody the mortgage rates had adjusted prior to the announcement and then when the announcement came out it flew up. mortgage rates went up over yeah. seven for yeah. the first time and i think that was about the commentary yeah it was overreaction and then 40 <laughs> 48 hours later it was yeah. back where it was supposed to be right what else has changed uh i think that the pace um I mean, we've definitely yes. seen the pace. You can change. feel it, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you're you're not as rushed. You're not as. I mean, from a buyer perspective, you're not as rushed to make a decision. Um, I fell asleep at my desk yesterday. 
No, we're talking about the market, not you. <laughs> well, that's a, that is a response to the market <laughs> slowdown. That's my point. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so we felt a slowdown in buyer activity, showing activity, um, listing activity. No, yeah. I don't. I don't think so. I, yeah. So I for listings, I'm tracking some lower price stuff. And again, I think pricing segments are huge in this market. But under two hundred and fifty thousand, it looks to me like there's all kinds of inventory coming on. I, I have reviewed that, but. I see lots of new listings. But even the pace on those is slow, slowed. Activity on them once they're listed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure, buyer side, yeah. 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 Um, okay, well, if you're following along, we do have packets for you. Make sure you have those in front of you. Um, not a ton of slides to review this week, but I do always want to start there just so we can look at some actual data before we get everyone's wonderful opinions. I do want to suggest listening to the KCM report uh, this month in particular, uh, these guys are laughing at me because I have some cynicism towards some of the positivity that's always on there. Although I'd rather be positive than negative mm -hmm. for sure. Um, because the news right now is very, very negative. And so, but I do think the messaging this week was of interest and should be followed. So we're looking at a few of those slides. Then I do have a couple here from Altos as well on page one. We really have two slides worth looking at here. Um, the first is mortgage rates rise for the sixth consecutive week. This, this shows the, well, what's the opposite of precipitous? I don't know. So think <laughs> of precipitation going upwards. <laughs> the monumental climb from um, somewhere down in those twos all the way up to 6.7, like you said. It bumped Dramatic. Above, thank you, Roger. Above seven for periods of time, sort of bouncing around just below seven at this point, I believe. Um, and then this other statement that I think is maybe the essence of our debate a month ago, or Roger, you and I had a, a discussion a few weeks ago at the Golden Circle. Um, I'll read this. The aim of Fed tightening is to curtail demand in an effort to tame inflation. And when it comes to housing market, the Fed's actions are working. So the slowdown that we're feeling um, is exactly what they're actually aiming to accomplish. Home sales, both new and existing, are falling. Builders have cut back production in response to rapidly declining affordability. And annual house price growth has slowed, this, is, this was interesting to me, from the peak of nearly 21% in March this year to a 16.7% in July. Now, I believe in the last three months that's tapered significantly more. Certainly. And then we'll get to the projections for the future, which I think have been brought all the way down to like 3.2% for next year. So rates are up. Rog, you've already touched on this. I think that what we're seeing is what I would call destruction demand. We are intentionally, they are intentionally trying to pull back demand by making things unaffordable, at least on the interest rate side in order to soften the frothy market. So can, can you educate just a little bit, educate me, when the Fed makes that announcement, they raise interest rates to curtail inflation. What percent of their focus do you believe is specifically on housing market? That was the nature of the conversation I think that we had. Um, yeah, and I need I, to educate it because I see that as being <clears throat> not a major I think that there's a whole bunch of indices that they're watching and there's a whole bunch of spaces that they're watching and many of them they are seeing progress on. The issue is that housing represents like 20 something percent of the US economy. It's some astronomical number. Right. And so if, if inflation isn't just about the cost of gas, it's, it's the cost of living, right? We, we have to pull that back. 
And with housing being such a large portion of living expenses, if you can't get housing under control, and so the reason we had the discussion we had is, I think it's a large component because it's one of the ones that isn't being impacted enough yet. And so I believe we're living in a good news is bad news environment, meaning when we hear that, oh, no, 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 all the interest rate increases are, people are still buying and there's still multiple offers and inventory is still low. I don't hear that as good news. I hear that as bad news because what it means is that housing is sticky in its inflationary trajectory and they're going to have to do more work. Mm. So, so I think a lot of the negativity that's out there when you see the media releases from the Fed is it's not that they've increased it more. It's that they're saying we've increased it more and it's still not impacting housing. So, so I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. And I, I just could be wrong the way I think about this, but I think of housing inflation as appreciation, which mm. is positive. But what I hear, when I hear, like when I see the media and the news talking about inflation, almost always it's either gas prices or grocery prices. You go to the mm -hmm. grocery store and we're seeing these huge price increases. And so I just wonder when the Fed is looking at these interest rates, if they don't have, you know, gas as its own thing because it has to do with OPEC. Yeah, OPEC. But, but um, grocery prices, which is similar to components in housing like electronics or plumbing supplies or those sorts of things though to me that's the inflation that they really control by moving and the, i'm suggesting that housing is absolutely central to their focus and that's what the slide okay. is saying i think housing has to be well think about it this way if everything else gets pulled <coughs> under control but housing keeps appreciating at 10 to 20 percent per year what happens to our economy what happens to the cost of living so they have to get housing under control because it if everything else is curtailed or, or softened, but housing keeps going, this is the last two or three years are fundamentally unsustainable. I, I view this as, that's why I say good news is bad news. I, I think we need to see housing slow down. We need to see inventory come back up and we need to see prices slow down for a couple of years. And I know that that hurts my real estate assets, but I think I need this thing to cool down so that it doesn't keep overheating, so that my assets can continue on a sustainable trajectory upward. Speak to that. No, or anyway. Fair enough. Uh, you're educating me. I'll accept that. I, I, I haven't thought about it that way. I just don't think it'll take a couple of years. I, it'll you be said, quicker? You're I, saying? Think it'll, I think the slowdown will be quicker. Well, we're seeing it. I, 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 I do. I, I know. I, we are seeing it. We're seeing the slowdown. The pace is slowed. The the demand has lessened. You're not getting 10 offers. You're getting one or two at the most. I mean, yes, the demand has slowed when we're seeing the impact of what they're doing with the rates. I, I don't think um, this, yeah, maybe I'm being a little. Pessimistic or optimistic? Pessimistic, but which is different for me. But okay. I don't think they have the appetite to continue the rates at a pace, continue raising the rates at a pace that will slow it for a couple of years like you're suggesting. But this is, I, I agree. I think you've already got certain members of the finance community stepping up and saying, hold on, you can't keep it up at this pace. You're going to crush the economy and create deflation. So this is the problem. They're on a teeter-totter like a seesaw and, and they're trying to uh, figure out how to get the balance on this. But I do think that right now they have expressed vocally a very clear commitment to even overextend on these corrections to get inflation down. Now they may overextend and that's gonna mean a big recession for two, three years, but 
I, I'm not sure that that changes the fact that they don't have a choice. They, they do have to get 20% appreciation on housing down. Well, and they have. I mean, I feel like they have. I think that as we as yeah. we go into the next few months, we will we'll see that with the numbers. Yeah. So um, let's be clear. I think we're in a recession. Uh, you know, when, when they announce a recession, they do it backwards. Uh, it's, right. it's, we've been in a recession. Yeah, we've been in a recession for two months because you have to have two months of recession before you can call one a recession. We've been in a recession for at least a quarter. Um, things are slowing down and housing activity is slowing down. And prices are softening. Doesn't mean they're necessarily going backwards, but it certainly means in, in, in a lot of markets, um, not just that activity is down, it's that some of these properties now are, have, well, I'll, I'll look at this slide. We are at 42% of active listings in the US have a price decline now. 42%. I mean, that's, an, that's a pretty astronomical number. So yes, we've got a whole bunch coming on and selling immediately. And then we've got a significant amount of them. Now, that, that is not the same thing as average prices declining. It means that these highly elevated prices yeah. are having to be pulled right. back a yeah. little bit yeah. to get in check. Well, and that's what I'm wondering too, is like, are these, are these agents who are listing these 42% of houses that have taken a price reduction still trying to get that top dollar. Like RPR yes. this morning, you yes. you weren't there, but in Ankeny yeah. team meeting, RPRs, all of their numbers are now inflated right. compared to actual sale, sales prices. Right. Yeah. yeah, I just listed a house in Huxley and its RPR was like 373,000 and we listed it at 270. I mean- it, So just yeah. like RPR, there's many agents listing them high and going, oh, it's not like it used to be and, and then pulling it back. Right. I think that's what's going on, but 42% of houses it's, are experiencing that. Yeah. Um, the norm in there is somewhere just around 30, 33%. I would argue I that the, it, so I, I can accept 42% as a generalization in the market, but it, I'm pretty confident it is, it is price range specific. It's not 40% of the overall market that is experiencing that. Um, and I would also, again, continue to say that resale is experiencing this much less than New construction spec houses is almost a hundred percent are experiencing price reductions. So Interesting. touch that one more time. We talked about it last month. The distinction between new construction and resale in your mind is it's significant. No, there. sorry. What is the distinction? Like why <clears throat> is there a differential between the two? Be because uh, new construction tends to be cost driven and we're just coming out of super high rising costs uh, materials and labor that's exactly right that's those other components of inflation that i'm talking about that still hasn't curtailed yet Correct. electronic components are still going up plumbing components are still going up labor has subcontractors have are not reducing their prices yet that's all still high and going up which means prices on new construction are still high and that's a good news is bad news environment so I'm uh, sorry not to get you off track, but when you say all that, that all sounds good. Well, there's, it's bad that those things are still going up, which means because the Fed is going to have to keep raising these rates until they get that to slow down. And the other part of that bad news is that that continues to affect our inventory at a, uh, to, to stay lower than what would be a normal market. Which is a good news is bad news problem right. because it means we're going to keep having price pressures driving properties up for the people that do need to buy. They are still competing on some of these properties. They are still paying. Some of them, yeah. Not as much as before, right. but enough right. that there's still some upward price pressure. And I think that until that goes away, 
we don't get to the back end of this thing and just back to a slightly normalized world. So the problem that I'm seeing is that the pain is going to primarily be felt by the builders. So for example, in uh, our meeting this morning, um, we had a house that somebody bought three years ago for 260 and now they're listing it at 330 there's, there's no pain if he has to reduce his price $10,000. Yep. It doesn't matter. He's still got forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 of equity in that house because of the last two years. It doesn't work that way for builders. If they reduce their, pro- their price, they're cutting their profit in half, going from 10% to 5%. There's no equity in that for them. There's just the 5% margin. No growing margin. equity. That's right. They had a small margin, 5 to 10 at most. That's right. right? So um, at what point is the Fed going to say, we're actually not? doing what we're trying to do in regards to the general market, the resale market, what we are doing is we're hammering builders. And unfortunately they're saying nationwide, we're still a half million, whatever the number is home short. And the only way to get those is to build them. Well, and that's what I'm pointing to. And I'm not in a negative state of mind about the market right now. I, I just, I think we are in a weird spiral where we have to get it down. But part of the things we're doing to get prices down is creating, like you just said, a perpetuation of the inventory uh, d- deficiency, right, right. which is creating some upward price pressures, which means they've got to keep pushing it down. And that's not a pretty picture. Used a lot of ups and downs in there. Well, <laughs> th- that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> um, but look, th- let's move on. The bottom line is it is now notably challenging for the average buyer. I think we're at 26% of the average household income right now to buy a property compared to what was 14%. So it is much more expensive to own real estate today than it it was before. But I, I have a caveat on that. And maybe I'll just, maybe I'll drop that now. Where I'm positive on that is it doesn't matter. Now it will slow down sales, but here's why it doesn't matter. They have to live somewhere. And, and their rents are just as high proportionately. So you, you're either paying 50% more to rent a property or you're paying 50% more to own the property. The difference between those two things is one, you're paying down somebody else's mortgage and the other, you're paying down yours. So I do believe we're scaring some buyer activity away, but I don't think, well, I think what, what's going on in my head is I'm remembering, and I think of you, both of you actually, I think of you guys as my context because I started selling real estate in 2004, three, four. And interest rates at that time were what? Do you guys recall? Six. Mid sixes. And it was a buyer frenzy. Back then it was open houses. Like every weekend, there was dozens of people coming to open houses because mm-hmm. everybody wanted to own real estate. Because interest rates were on the way down. They, but, were, they had been higher. The they dream had been of, in the sevens. Yeah. yeah and and so six and a half was decent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everybody wanted to own a home. And everybody was trying to buy a home. And this was before it got crazy, crazy frothy in 2004 and five and six, where there was like all the speculative buying and speculative new construction. My only point is this. People have to live somewhere. There's a lot of people in this country right now. They got to pay rent or they got to pay a mortgage. And even at six and a half or 7%, it's still better to own the real estate than it is to be paying down some uh, paying rent to, to somebody else. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I agree with that. Uh, there is going to be continued organic demand. Um, people still want to buy a house, regardless of what the interest rates are. They may wait three months. They may wait, wait six months, but they still want to buy a house. And that's exactly where we're at. We're in that gap. We're in the gap right. between right. what was crazy and frothy 
and what I think is coming, which is a slightly more normalized world. And in that gap, as a realtor, I need to understand my sales volume is going to be impacted. It doesn't mean the industry is being negatively impacted. We're just fixing the froth. And it means activity for the next six to 12 months might be lower than it's been. But I'm okay because I've got a sound business strategy and I'm going to be selling real estate in a year and a half or a year when all this demand starts to come back in and interest rates are back to, well, they're more normalized. So I'm sorry, you're looking at me funny. Am I? No. You agree, disagree? I was agreeing with the six months. So both you of you extended are on, it to 12. I don't know if I want to extend it to 12 at this point. Fair enough. Explain. I just think we're going to be back in a frenzy next spring I, I because inventory is too low. I agree with that. And I mean, what Roger's saying about new construction slowing down and their, the impact that this is having on them directly affects you know, our inventory levels. And until the inventory levels can get up a little bit more to a more normalized spot, we're going to continue to have some frenzy in the spring and summer. I agree, but I think that's where we're missing each other. Um, this is back to you and me, Roger, two weeks ago. <laughs> I agree 100% with what you're saying when we're talking about the activity on the properties that are there and therefore the price. I just think that that's bad news because the fact that it's going to be like that next spring means the Fed is going to have to keep putting pressure. I want the inventory to go up so that interest rates can come back down. Roger, you're shaking your head. It just it can't go up. J just yesterday... One of my builders said to me, Raj, so are you saying I shouldn't start any houses right now? No, he needs to. <laughs> but his <laughs> but costs how? are still high and he can't sell yeah. it at a profit. Yeah. So what do I tell him? Well, so let me, let me throw one more caveat in here. I am speaking as a real estate broker to 200 of our agents and <laughs> I am in, I'm doing my part to ensure. So do I think that there's a good likelihood that activity picks back up next spring, the fed cools things back down and uh, we're in a really healthy place next spring. I think it's actually quite possible or likely. I do think there's another possibility that inflation is rampant and that it, it's going to take longer than we think to get it under control. And if that's the case, I want everyone in this company to be getting their banking accounts in order, setting up their businesses correctly and doing the hard work that you need to do while everyone else is spinning around to make sure that you're getting your piece of a 20% of a smaller pie now. 20% of sales activity has been corroded by what's happened so far. And if things are still going to keep going up, and if housing hasn't been impacted that much yet, they're going to keep fighting this for quite some time. And if that's the case, that's where I make the 18-month uh, worst-case scenario. Let's, let's call it that. But I do think, that, let's, let's say this. Who in this room uh, honestly thought we'd be at 7% today? Because I didn't. I didn't think it was feasible. When? Six well, months ago. I, I did not. That is what and my I, bank, my bankers were, my lenders were telling me. It's going to get to seven. <clears throat> I yeah. remember sitting in this yeah. room and us thinking, well, it's up to four and a half, five, but I mean, it's never going to, seven or eight seems unthinkable. I, I think, think seven I, or eight is re reasonable. I think I said in here that I don't think that it was going to hit seven. Yeah. Um, because I don't, and again, I mean, the rates that my buyers are getting right now are not seven. They're slightly less than that. Yeah. Um, so you were kind of right. So I was kind of right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, but I, I still question whether the Fed has the appetite uh, to continue doing what they're doing. And I would say that I have no way to know that. I, right. right? Like, um, I've been shocked though so far. And I think the only reason I'm so uh, cynical <laughs> about some of this is I know that what we did in the last two years financially to this country 
in terms of liquidity was unprecedented by a factor of 10. We've just never done anything close to this. And so how long it's going to take to fix that, I think, is yet to be seen. So for, for us as realtors, my opinion is we have to, we have to become very well educated on specific markets. That's very good. And the markets yeah. that impact our specific client. So, for example, I just said my buyer asked me yesterday, should I not build any houses this winter? My answer was no, but we need to build our smallest houses and our most affordable houses because that's the market segment that still has uh, a seller's market in it. Whereas a year ago, he asked me, should I be building houses right now? And I said, you need to build our most expensive house. And so we did that. Last fall, he started, he built his first ever half million dollar spec house. He'd never done that before. And we sold it and closed in July. And it was a great transaction for him. Now I'm saying, no, we've got some stuff we can sell for under 350. That's what we need to build this winter. And we have to be experts in those different market segments. I, I, we just listed a house. Uh, Ethan and I listed a house at 495 and some kid realtor came in and paid full price on that house. It had been on the market for 30 days. He shouldn't have paid full price. It wasn't one of our people. And so we're happy to get full price as the seller's agent. My opinion, the buyer's agent screwed up because he didn't understand what's going on in the market. So just because you touched on that, um, so how are we advising our team then today in the context of representing buyers in new construction environments. So are we suggesting that paying full price, asking price is not a smart move at this point? That wasn't new construction. Okay. I mean, we're talking about um, price reductions in resale as well, where people are listing in that speculative sort of realm. Yep. Uh, so again, we have to know our business. Yeah. Uh, the one that uh, Ethan and I just listed resale for 435 i'd love to sell it for 435 if i was representing the buyer i'm not offering 435 i'm offering 415 so that was a yes we we ought to be considering yeah. all markets we need to understand every market segment resale and new construction and we need to advise specifically for that it hasn't been that way for the last two years it was the same in every market for the most part well you asked about the market ab absorption analysis reports that are on the back of the packets yes. and uh, what roger said earlier was yeah we haven't even looked at these for the last year and i'm like yeah we haven't because they've been completely uninteresting if every single market is has a one month supply or less that's every right. price range who Same the heck thing. cares that's exactly right but that's changing as well absolutely you. and you pointed out this morning that in new construction certain price points now this this is granting that some of these were listed during the construction phase but some of those are sitting now six months plus and like you said there's a lot of new construction that's been on the market now for incomplete phase for some period of time right and so that is a different world than yesterday. And half of our new agents have never lived in a world other than multiple offers, full price. Right. So, so right now, take, for example, $425,000 house buyer. I would want them to be really active right now because there's a good chance they could buy a new construction house that's listed at four fifty dollars if they do it right. They also... Because the gap between new, new construction and resale is too large right now, mm -hmm. that $425,000 house buyer might be able to get a resale for four hundred, and the and same or bigger. That's exact, way bigger, no yeah. question. And so there's opportunity there if you know what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And the interest rate really doesn't matter that much. You can, you can get a, a variable rate. You can, 
there are some things you can do on the interest rate. You can get in, builders are offering introductory rates. There's all kinds of options there. That's another thing, actually, that I want to point out that buyers, our agent, buyers agents, our agents, all of our agents should be doing is talking to their lenders about what some of those options are. They really need to be educated so that they can help their buyers understand that there there is likely an option for them to do something different than just the normal, you know, fixed rate 30-year mortgage that can get them a better rate for the time being. And you have to talk to them about their situation. You have to, you know, counsel them. And uh, But m- having a lunch with your lenders, uh, I think, is an important thing to do. Right Kyle's uh, TikTok with the spreadsheet. Did you guys see that? <clears throat> I did not. Um, truly brilliant. Um, I avoid Kyle's TikToks, just so you know. <laughs> well, normally, yes. But this was actually one worth watching. I, I have the spreadsheet. He gave me permission to share it. It's a side-by-side analysis, a cost-benefit analysis over the long term on a 30-year versus a 10-year arm taking into account just a ton of variables. And it was a brilliant analysis of why you're kind of a sucker at this point not to consider um, a 10-year, even considering the potential of having to refinance 10 years down the line. It's some notably higher interest rate. It was still absolutely a smarter move. Kyle, I would like to see that. I have no idea how to look at TikTok, so maybe you can send me some link or something. There... My builder has had me out looking for various loan products to try to entice people. There's a 10-year balloon, 4.5% right now. 10-year balloon, 4.5%. That's the point. There's a big difference between something ballooning in 10 years. like an arm where it's going to adjust. Correct. If it's adjusting in two to three years, that's a little scary. Yeah, I'd rather balloon. I'm not going to be in that house 10 years anyway. Correct. Most people aren't. And in 10 years, if you're doing, if I mean, where this was super dangerous was where you had uh, those ninja loans. No, not the ninjas. It was the no, 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 just principal. uh, Interest only. Interest Interest only loans. I mean, ultimately, and frankly, I hate to admit this, I had one of those. Um, on in a property, I probably in 2006. It. <laughs> it wasn't that property. <laughs> hey, let's get back on track though. Um, this has been very good, but so far we've covered interest rates. <laughs> <laughs> we've covered a lot. Well, I think we've covered how we should be advising our clients, yeah. which is which very, very that's the center of what we're trying to do here. Agreed. And uh, I hope we come back to that. So slides three and four here are really just about what we're seeing on the ground in in the context of having 7% rates, what is going on in terms of demand destruction? And so supply and demand ratio changing quickly. I think this is very insightful. This is a direct from showing time that actually is tracking. It's it's a ridiculous percentage of all the showings going on around the nation. So showing activity down 12% last month. And then active listings, you're talking about a 27% increase in active inventory. Now, that sounds like a big number. It's really not. Because 26% increase on historically ridiculous. We were 400% too low on inventory. So So making up a little bit. And this is the first month that the showings are negative. If I remember right, looking at this last month, the showings were actually still positive year over year. I think you're seeing the very beginning of a trend that's going to be notable. I agree. Um, I think we have scared a lot of people. And for the next two to three months, if I'm a buyer in the marketplace and I'm not actively needing to make a purchase, uh, I might sit back for a little bit until some deals start to show up and a few more inventory. And Unless I have an agent who's showing mm-hmm. me and teaching me how to get a deal in this market. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think that's one of the biggest reasons we need to be talking to our people. Probably never been a better time to have a good agent. I was 
every time I say that, then I pause. <laughs> it's a really important time to have a good agent right now. It was also a really important time to have a good agent when multiple offers were just showing up. And you needed to know how to do them. How to win. How to yeah. Win. yeah. Um, it sounds like it's always a good time to have a good agent. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And, and that's why good agents in turning markets uh, always gain market share. And so I'm, I'm, I sound super negative today. I'm trying to be hyper-realistic about how long this might take to fix. But I think for the right agent, counseling their clients right, uh, the way you guys are, I don't see why you're not growing your market share. I just think you're going to have to do it with less of volume for a period of time in terms of the size of the pie. The second slide, slide end of summer sees continued slowdown. Um, the reason I included this is we're, we're actually seeing a, um, and what was the average? It's in the 20s. Um, but the average activity decrease in terms of showing activity obviously is notably less visible right now in the Midwest than it is out West and in the South. And that typically is how we see these trends emerge. We see it from the coast and it works its way in. Right. Um, but consider that in the West, your pricing impact on affordability is five times higher than what it is yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was of interest. Uh, I think what I'm saying in showing these slides is that the rates and the prices are actually impacting activity today. And we're already saying anecdotally we feel that. Um, slides five and six are about pricing, home price forecast for 2023. If you listen to the KCM report, the reason he showed this one is this economist, Zellman, um, I don't even know if they're an economist, um, an analyst, is now projecting a notable decrease in prices for next year. And the point they were trying to make is there are several saying that, but they are not the majority. Now, I view this with a tiny amount of skepticism because the majority was wrong six months ago. But the point here is that Fannie, Freddie, MBA are all still projecting an average of a 3.2% uh, appreciation rate for next year. Now, that's notably down from the 20 we saw a year ago and the 16, 17 we're going to see for this year still. So they're projecting 3.2% is the average uh, for next year's appreciation rate. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. That 3.2 is coming from somewhere other than this. This is an average of these six. Oh, okay. I believe the overall is 3.2. And the, the next slide is showing how many, just by like number of individuals, are forecasting appreciation versus depreciation. And the point that KCM is making is most people are still saying that there will be appreciation next year. My only pushback to that is that, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just never going to be one to follow the masses on stuff like that. I'm far more interested in the data. I'd like to be, I'd like to live in the world that those two guys do that are saying over 10% appreciation next yeah. year. <laughs> I don't know if they're right or wrong, but just to have that level of optimism looks really fun to me. Well, one of two things is true. Either they're about to revise that in the next few months, or they've got a very, very interesting story to tell, which is the Fed is, uh, I don't know if you guys follow Kathy Woods, but she has a big fund that she yeah. has. With all, all the Tesla stocks and stuff like that, these high growth stocks. But she would be one of these people. She, she would say the Fed is overdoing this right now. They're actually at the risk of creating depreciation or deflation, sorry, in our marketplace. And what they need to do is immediately pull back and allow money to keep flowing. And if that were to happen, if the Fed pulled back anytime in February, March, 
um, and said, oh, okay, hold on. Things are actually good. The, there's a recession. We need to now shift. And interest rates dropped again to five. I actually think you'd see a huge flood of buyer activity back mm -hmm. into the market. But that's my big point. They can't allow that because mm -hmm. if you had that flood back, you'd end up straight back to where we started, which is why they're not going to. And again, following my theme on segments, there are absolutely individual properties that I believe are going to go up 10% in the next year. Specifically? Resale. Resale. Resale because you can't, you can't rebuild it in the price ranges that you can't rebuild. I, I still think I agree with that point, and I'm interested to see how that plays out. Okay, and then finally, or sort of finally, this is the point that I've been making the whole way through. Um, yeah, we're probably still going to see appreciation next year. And yes, there's been a slight decrease in showing activity. And yes, interest rates are high. But the number that matters to me as a realtor is sales activity. I'm happy to sell them at 320 or 295 Like either of those are going to work for me. But the volume is, is what matters. And so you are in an environment with 20% declines now, both in closings year to date, uh, year over year. And now in the Midwest, it's only 16%, as you can see on the first chart. Right. Um, but the pending activity is 21% in the Midwest and an average of mid-20s now. So for the next several months, we absolutely need to anticipate and expect a reduction in the amount of sales volume in our respective businesses. Now, any one business person could be up 50% or 100%, but the market is down 20 plus percent right now in sales. And that's a real thing when I run a real estate business. I think the way to think about it, though, for agents that have been in it, say, for five years or more, you go back this two-year window of, of it, 10 to 15% market appreciation, even 20% appreciation in some areas, it, you compare it to the guy who's had forced overtime for the last two years. But at the end of that time, his overtime goes away, but his wage is 40% more, 30% more. So this, this realtor doing 20% less business is going to make the same amount of money he made three years ago doing 20% more business. You are right. Thank you. And... With inflation being what it's been. It's so good when you say that, Dylan. Well, it's, it's one of the 25 <laughs> phrases to that I'm working on right now. You are right. Um, with inflation being what it's been and the average sale price going up as much as it's gone up, our agents have done a good job with their businesses. Um, uh, the I, danger I, is agents who've started in the last three years that don't understand what's happened there. And now they've built a model that says, I have to do this amount of business at this price. Yeah. That, that could be a little painful. And I think the danger for me as a broker of, of an organization like this is I, I don't want anyone going, oh yeah, no, no, no. But we, we, we can sell fewer because we earn more now per unit. And uh, I think it's the opposite that we should be looking for in a receding market like this. Go and hold the line on your market share. Because as the pie gets smaller and you can keep your unit base where it used to be, when that thing grows again, that's where massive growth happens. And I know this because I've helped a lot of our agents eight, nine, ten years <laughs> ago hold the line in 2007, eight, nine, ten, And then when it turned in 11, that's when they experienced their massive explosion in market share. Now, you're smiling at me because some of you I that are – slowing down in your businesses. It's a wonderful thing to be able to earn more per sale and do fewer sales. 
Others of us are in a growth mindset where they really do want to get more market share. And this is a great environment to do that. The reason I'm smiling at you that the first sales manager that I ever worked for 30 some years ago, not selling houses in a different industry, he always would say, oh, Rod, you need to go buy a Rolex. Oh, Rod, you need to go buy a new uh, Mercedes Benz. Because he wanted my budget to go up so high that I was forced to sell that more and more. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> the first time I've ever looked at you in that same line. Uh, not at all. Uh, for the record, you did when I was thinking about getting a new car. Not a new car, a used car, but a much nicer car. When I was selling for you, you said, yeah, yep, I think you should go do it because then you'll have bills to pay and you'll sell more. So, hypocrite. <laughs> oh, I love it. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying tighten your belt. I'm saying check your expenses. I'm saying we have no idea what we're in for for the next 18 months. I'm hoping it's good. I hope they get inflation under control and I hope that next spring we're back to something more normal. Um, but I don't want to hope. I want to plan and I want to be smart and I want to have a good budget and I want to make sure that I'm doing the activities that I need to do to, to keep my business moving forward. When you say next spring back to something more normal, what are you referring to? Because I, I feel like this is normal. If you're saying back to more normal, meaning back to what it's been like the last uh, two years, which is what I think it's going to be in the spring, this to me is normal. This is real, normal real estate. Maybe when I say this normal, I mean 15 years ago, Timmy. Well, yeah, this is normal fall, October yeah, yeah, pace. Yeah. I think that's what Roger means. And spring, I, I mean, I would hope it's, personally, I would hope it's not like last spring um, no, because of the that is not normal level of frenzy and anxiousness that buyers experience. Like spring of 19. There you go. Spring yeah. of 18. I think my normal is in reference to the uh, economic environment. So when I say normal, I mean <clears throat> normalized rates. I think five to six percent is normalized rates. In fact, even that is suppressed. Um, but I think an environment where we're not constantly concerned that the rates are going to go up, so buyers can go, okay, I get it. This is what it costs to buy a house right now, and I know that if I buy a house after two years, I should get enough appreciation to pay off the the fees that I have in selling the house. That's what it always was, right? That was normal, and then we're like, oh, I can make twenty percent in a year. And oh no, rates went from 2.8 to 7 in a six-month, that's not normal. So that's the part that I'm talking about. I wanna, the reason I want this inflation thing under control is because I want to be in an environment where it's not a freaking roller coaster. And we can actually make smart business decisions yeah. and guide our clients towards. So Bo, my, my buyer's agent, Bo Frandenberg, has a buyer client right now. Um, they only can look at houses on weekends, which is so odd to her. And she's shown them like 30 to 40 houses and they haven't bought anything yet, which is unbelievably odd. Never her. heard of that. Yeah. That's like 2005 to 2015. That's how the world was. That yeah. was business. Yeah. yeah. That was normal for a buyer's agent. So do we go back to something more like that in time? Because how long is it going to take to get the inventory levels back up? It's going to take years. Yeah, yeah, we're that's a long why, way from that. Yeah, that's why I think it's going to be more like 2018, 2019 where we were, our inventory was on the way down and we were starting to experience this multiple offer situation, nothing like the last two years, but it was still out there. And I think we're going to go back to that and it's going to gradually come back out of that. I completely agree, Tammy. 
You guys, how remember... common is this? Roger and I agree. <laughs> uh, the more time we all spend we get, together, we got to get Dylan on the same page. <laughs> you guys remember the very, very beginning of the pandemic, and it was what it was Trump's slogan that he conceded. Okay, we all need to go home, and I think it was 15 days to flatten the curve. Do you guys remember that? Yes. Yep. Yes. Can you remember back to that time, and just think about what's happened since then, and how crazy the world is now, two and a half years later. And I just don't think anyone could have imagined the impact that this was going to have on every single part of how we operate in our economy. Well, from a real estate standpoint, I specifically remember that I actually had a couple of clients that were scared to death that the real estate industry might fall apart yeah. and you wouldn't be able to sell anything yeah. And and literally the absolute opposite has happened now for two years. And no one could have projected no, that. But, but a lot of that was government-aided, too. And so it's it's hard to protect what predict what the government's going to do in those situations. It's been a ride. So it, who, it who, has, it has. Who knows what's next? <laughs> and that's maybe why I keep beating the drum that I'm beating. Roger wants to talk about the well, market absorption. Well, we just didn't talk about it. And I know we're ready to, to kind of wrap up. But I think we have, in terms of... Our agents, the agents that are listening to this, we have to become very attentive to market segments. We have to understand that one price range might have a single month's inventory and another price range might have an eight month's inventory. And resale might be different than new construction. And so when I'm taking that new listing, I have to understand that listing, where it sits within these segments. When I have a buyer who's searching for something, I need to understand where their needs fit in those segments. I think it's really important right now. Well, and I think even if you, as you look at this, if you look at the two Des Moines market overviews, one for the resale and one for the new construction, you see that difference in the different price ranges. I mean. Do you? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You guys I mean, are if you look at me. the. If you looked at 300 to 350 or or anywhere in the middle there. I mean Okay, but you're looking at new construction. I know, but then you compare that same that same range on the resale one and you only have a month supply. Because And be you have 3 months supply. Yeah, but but this is what um no, I, I want everyone to be careful on no, this. No, no, don't. We just skip what you're going to say. What? Well, <laughs> <laughs> new construction cannot be compared on supply to <coughs> to resale just because you've got so much good months of inventory stacked up in the construction phase well you do i understand that but the same but the but what roger has been saying this whole time with the difference the gap between new construction and resale has an impact on the supply let me try redirect this so um i agree that there's a notable distinction between new construction and resale. So if that's the distinction we're trying to make, uh, you win, I agree. If we just <laughs> stick with resale though, stick with just resale. And what I'm trying to get at is in every price point, other than over 750, you're still in a 2.5 month supply or less. You're still in a notably, so I don't see a major distinction between let's say 500,000 and even 125. They're both one month supply. So what's super interesting about that is these, price, these houses are still all underpriced. If we have one month supply, correct. These, these prices all have to go up. Yes. And well, that, that's the point that I'm making. So we should be buying in this resale to, because you're going to still watch these prices go up until they reach the price level that you can get something comparable new. 
these prices have to come up. That's why you see one month supply. Uh, I don't disagree. I, I, and that's the point that I've already conceded that resale has upward momentum potential compared to new construction, right? That's the point that you've been making. Yes. And I think yes. I agree with that. We need that to happen. I, I'm trying to say that the difference <clears throat> between a low price and a high priced resale in the metrics, there is no like major indicators that you could price differently on one to the next based on price point on, on absorption. They're all still ridiculously low. I think that I think there is a difference, and it's um, and it's the comfort level that the seller has with waiting. Um, you know, the comfort level that a seller has in the two hundred <coughs> is because they likely have to move for some reason. I mean, and maybe this is too anecdotal for our conversation, but um, well, it's it's a point about you still have to be a consultant at the subjective correct. level on each case, right? Yeah, it's, no, not, it's not a sweeping answer. But I think you can't look at the resale in a vacuum. You have to look at it with the, the new construction because that is the alternative. So, for example, in the 200 to 250, which I assume probably is townhomes, is the reason new construction shows, shows only two months supply there because you're, you're seeing townhome buyers in that price. So, so in that price range... Um, the resale and new construction is not that different, but if you go to five hundred thousand to five fifty, you see one point seven. I'm sorry, one point eight in resale and nine months in new construction. That vast difference means there are deals to be had for my five hundred thousand dollar buyers in resale. That's the point I'm trying to make. I think I agree with that point, <clears throat> and so so basically we all agree. And that's where I get concerned. So that's where I call it. We that's need, where we that's need Kyle. We, yeah, we need Kyle. Yeah. Come yeah. on, Kyle, come back. Um, okay, so any, any other closing thoughts as we wrap this up? I, I want to, I'll, I'll do mine first. Like, uh, these are the thoughts running through my head right now. One, a market crash is not a legitimate concern right now. There's just way too much equity in the, in the system. There's way too much equity in people's homes. Agree. Prices can drop notably. This is where the word precipitously would work. Yeah. Um, before and, and the lending standards and all these people that own these properties have been really, really good. People have been paying down their properties. So I'm not concerned about a market crash. Um, the second point um, was the one I made earlier. You're paying rent or you're paying a mortgage and both are ridiculously high right now. So I'm not concerned about the notion of guiding people towards home ownership even in a 7% interest rate environment. It costs them the same. I, they just have to be able to afford it and they need to know that they can refinance. And I think 10-year arms are smart. 10-year balloons are a great idea right now. When I started selling, it was a ridiculously hot market. Rates were 6%. I keep telling myself that. This is not that crazy. It just feels crazy relative to where we came right, from. Right. Um, and I think that fundamental demand remains intact. How do I write this? We're creating a needed stoppage in the market to get things back to normal. I am cheering for the Fed. I want them to raise the rates. I want them to pull this thing back. We need a recession. We need everyone to realize that we're in a recession and we need prices to soften. And that's why bad news is good news. This is where my head's at right now. We need a little bit of bad news for the next few months so that we can get back to what we defined as normal. You, you guys. So, so the one point that I would make is that because of all the, the national dialogue about falling prices, 
depreciating values, um, higher interest rates, it is making buyers hesitant. And what I want our agents to know is now is a great time to buy a house. But you do have to be smart about it. It's not what it was a year ago. It's right. not go out and find a house and put a multi-offer bid in. It is find a unique property that is currently been on the market. The seller's motivated. They want to get rid of it and find the unique loan that fits that particular buyer's situation. And if you can do that, if you can match them to the right loan in the right house, it is a great time to buy a house right now. Especially if you need a house to live in because you're, you need to move and you got to live somewhere no matter what. And even if you're buying at a slightly higher prices and they come down a percent in the next year, even if you're in a move up, even if you're in the move up mode right now, because there's not enough supply in the 250 yeah. and there's extra supply in the 450. So again, it's a great, I just think generally it is a great time to buy a house. Just get the right house and the right Lender, loan. You're right just paying loan. a lot for it in monthly cash flow now. And the sooner rates soften, the sooner you can refinance and the sooner you can get your cost of living down. But it's not a bad time to buy. But if I get a 10-year balloon at 4.5%, you might be waiting five years before rates get down that low again. I don't know how fast they're going to go down. You I, might you might live I, out that low. That's a good point. I mean, if, if you're getting it at 4.5 on a 10-year, I think that's still a, an amazing deal. So I'm saying right. get to know the lenders, get to know the loan products, get good. to know your market. Right, right. It's a great time to buy houses. Okay. Yeah. Love that feedback. How about yeah, you? Yeah. And I and that's I want to speak to the agent. I, I think it's super important to to learn some of this stuff. Talk to your lenders. Go have lunch with them. Learn their loan products so that you can have that conversation with the buyer. Consult, consult, consult. Um, because it isn't an across the board, everybody should do this, everybody should do that. It's really individual. Each buyer is probably going to do something slightly different. Um, whether they get the arm, whether they get the 30-year, whether they go FHA. I mean, they're going to do something different. And you have to, you can't try to make a blanket statement to everybody. Uh, you really have to learn this, learn the segments, um, learn the information. Learn the ask, products. Yeah, ask the questions. I mean, obviously we're always excited to talk about this stuff, but <laughs> they can they can ask their lenders. They can ask other people. I mean, there's information to be known. Be an expert advisor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no one could uh, suggest it's not an interesting time. To be in real estate. So it's a great time. True. We'll look forward to doing this again in a month. Uh, I think what we're going to do now is wrap up and then I'm going to show you Kyle's TikTok. Yeah, hurry so. back, Kyle. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. For more episodes, resources, and show notes, head to morethanmorepodcast.com.